0: You don't have to be the best of everything, but you you do want to be remembered as somebody that is, you know, heads down, moving the ball forward, solving problems, making the hurdles where they need to be made. Those are the things that people look back for. And you may not always give the answer that a client wants in some and, and they may not like it, but at least one thing I've, I have learned is they know you're objective, you're fair, you're looking out for them on both sides, whether it's positive or negative.
1: Welcome to the Land Department Podcast. The state of land and energy as we see it. Brent, it's always good spending the afternoon with you. And now you've got your your duck, duck hunting buddy along with the with you for this show um it's gonna be a fun one man yeah for sure man um mr Barkler, greatest well, thanks for joining
2: us um really happy to,
0: and i appreciate it. the invite Cleo. yeah
2: yeah yeah and it turns out he's, he's you know we're kindred souls man he's, he's the kind of guy you can call last minute for a duck hunting trip and he'll be there and, uh, i've been known to do the same. same so uh we share that in common but you know the other thing we share in common is you know, we we kind of, uh, we work together in, in the same profession, um, you know, talked to Barclay. I had this idea of just something I wanted to explore, kind of wanted to talk about. You know, on my side of the business, we deal a lot with, you know, independent landmen and consultants, and, and it's just really kind of cool to see how people fit in, how people thrive, and different, from different perspectives. So, uh asked Barclay if he'd want to come in and visit with us today, and he was gracious enough to say, uh, say yes. He's also the reigning. HAPL land man of the year, uh, <laughs> well, deserved. only for another month, one more month, and yeah, then well, hand off the baton. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, Barkley, thanks for joining us, man. Wanted to, um, let's just jump in maybe tell us a little bit about your background and, and your history and kind of what, what got you to today.
0: Sure. I, um, you know, it's kind of, it is, there is a funny story cause there is no oil and gas in my background from family perspectives and I, uh, Stumbled into a PLM program at the University of Mississippi 30 years ago uh, and dove in and never looked back. Um, Spent 20-plus years in-house with various independent companies um, doing in-house work. About 50% of that has been on the business development side, A&D side, uh, within companies, trying to grow companies, uh, acquire assets, uh, divest, Mm -hmm. land you have that. We weren't interested in and then uh, move along those processes just to grow. And, you know, the last five years uh, after I left my last employer of Atex Energy, started consulting, had ideas of going back in-house and uh, that just hasn't transpired yet. Uh, And I've been consulting and working half, probably the same, half business development, half other projects uh, within uh, companies to help them, uh, be more efficient and help them finish projects and click some cleanup things. Some, like I said, divestment things, uh, really working on the same stuff I've done for in-house, uh, over
2: 30 years. So. Yeah. And that, that's what was interesting, you know, from, from our standpoint, you know, a lot of the folks that you know, a Dudley Land company are connected with and work with are independent contractors and folks that, you know, a lot of them that want the opportunity to, to go in-house you know, to maybe work their way into, you know, an employee role as an independent. Uh, But, you know, maybe they have just field experience or maybe a little bit of due diligence experience, but don't really have that kind of an understanding of what's involved on that in-house staff and, you know, the in-house contractor side of things. And and so I thought, man, what better person that's got such a, you know, breadth of experience and then is doing this independent kind of contractor consultant role to be able to share some of the you know, what he's learned and share some tips for some of these people that might might be beneficial for him to really understand, you know, how to thrive in those roles and, and when you do get the chance, you know, what's appropriate, what's not, what you need to be thinking about and and how you can maybe be successful and provide opportunities for yourself or, you know, keep busy. Really, (laughs) frankly, that's the biggest thing as an independent. If you're not billing, you're not, you know, you're not bringing home a dollar. So, uh, the more prepared you are for that, the, the busier you could be. So, um, I thought he just had great experience and, and, uh, look forward to the conversation today.
0: Absolutely. And, and it's, um, you know, it is, fortunately it is about staying busy and, you know, that's, that's sort of your first priority, but it also is about finding quality projects that you enjoy doing and enjoying the business. Most land men that they're out there, they're in it cause they, they have fun, they like it, like the, the versatility of the projects, um. And trying to keep that in mind while you're while you're working or looking for something else, and I've, I've been fortunate even between permanent jobs to have stayed employed and or or found other work to fill those gaps uh, when when the time needed, which is an industry that is unique in that and that we can we do have that opportunity uh, when things get, get slow down. Um, one of the things though, you know, to think about that um, in this is. You know, as you're looking for more work, you, you really need to know what you're good at. And, you know, field guys, they're good at running title. They're good at usually talking to people and conversationalists. Um, But you do need to know the skill sets that you're good at, um, because that is part of your second nature of what you, what you do every day. And so when you're doing projects, um, those are the things that should come naturally to you. Uh, and when you bring those things in-house, um, you want to bring the things that are second nature to you in house because that's what the skills that's what they're looking for. And then you build on that to learn learn new things.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's knowing oftentimes what people take for granted is when they, you know, when they are in these types of roles, you know, they're being brought in because of a skill set or because of something that, you know, internally You know the land staff just doesn't have the bandwidth for or you know they've got a hiring freeze or whatever it may be so you know knowing your skill knowing what you're confident with that you know you can convey that and it's okay to convey that and understand hey this is this is where i fit in this is how i can contribute and you know maybe if you're a part of a team you know understanding the strengths of everyone else right you know and and it's okay to say you don't know something you know because then the rest of your team, the people that you're working with can, you know, y'all can figure out how to accomplish what you're trying to get done. Um, so, I mean, I think first and foremost, going into it, whether you're an in-house, have an in-house background or, you know, a, a field background or somewhere in between, you know, knowing what you're starting with and and understanding where everyone else on the, on the team, you know, what they can contribute is a big deal. It's kind of the first step. Absolutely. You know?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, and big. Absolutely. And be, be confident in the things, you know, know, know your skills. Like I said, but be confident in the things that you're good at and know your limitations, be honest about your limitations. We don't, we don't all know it all. We, we learn something new every day. I, I learn stuff all the time after 30 years. And I've taught guys that have 20 years more experience than me, things that they hadn't done before. And so, um, you're constantly learning and, um. That's what's enjoyable about the industry is, is that there is always something new around the corner that you haven't done before, and be it working in one state and moving to another state, or uh, everything's different. Everything's different, or uh, just just a trade that is uh, that's unique and different than any other deal you you've done. You know, and from a field perspective, it could be a new oil and gas lease you hadn't run across, or new provisions that you run across. As simple as that. But you're you're always bringing those skills that you've learned, um, be it from the field. You need those same skills in house. You just because you're as you're a project manager, especially you know you know this, Brent, as you're managing people in the field, you know what you expect to be delivered, and your in-house guys are managing, you know, your teams or teams like yours, and they're expecting that information coming in to be accurate and concise and easy to read and easy to pick up so that it can just move through the food chain,
1: uh, thing in progress of getting ready to drill well. Yeah. Uh, Martha, do you have an example of something that, you know, you're really good at and you've brought in house, but then also an example, of maybe a limitation that you have and how you backfill that with a professional that complements the skills that you're good at.
0: Yeah. I mean, one of the things I've gotten good at over the years and it's taken time is, um, really sort of scheduling, uh, in planning and, you know, forecasting, Hey, we want to do this. We want to accomplish by, by this many weeks or months or whatever the time period is. And then building back the resources that you need in man hours, man time, um, to do that. You know, if you've got, you know, if you want to, if you're going to leasing program and you need to lease, you know, 10,000 acres somewhere and, um, you know, you can kind of gauge how many tracks you have. First, if you're doing a due diligence project and you know you've got um, uh, a thousand speaker review a thousand wells a hundred units whatever the case may be and then putting that down into a schedule of man hours how long it's going to take each person to do it and then just sort of breaking that out and you know I, I do that I've gotten really good with you know spreadsheet work and um, which is what most landmen should do. And just putting that down to a, a denominator and saying what that needs to look like. And then you can give that to um, a client or your project manager or your boss and say, hey, here's what I think we're going to need. We're going to need X number of laymen to accomplish this. It's going to take them all this, this amount of time. And you gauge that by, you know, you use your own experience um, by saying, hey, I think it would take me X number of hours or X number of days to review one of these. And, you know, okay, if I'm a a B plus person and my average players are B minus people, then I may add it a, a little bit extra time. And, or you're going to run it some more complex, um, reviews of units or, you know, even buying leases. You may, you may find a, a hard and less sore that isn't easy to negotiate with. Take like a few weeks or a month to negotiate a lease with. It. And so if you're running through those things, Um, you're using your experience and the things you, you've done, um, and extrapolating that to a team of people to come up with an answer in, in your planning process. And, you know, once you put your plan together and you line all that out, um, it is, it's then about execution and then monitoring that execution over the life of the project within, you know, week two, week three, week four, as things get kicked off, are you on schedule? Are things going as, as you planned or are there, are you ahead of schedule or, you know, what's the case? And so constantly monitoring those things and keeping up with those things. I have found, I've, I've gotten pretty good at in, engaging the time of those things. You know, like from an in, there's a couple of things there that are important it,
2: from a, from a client's perspective, right? The importance of planning when you bring in a group of, of consultants, right? You bring bringing in for a corp dev type project or whatever it might be. And, and typically you generally have a budget, you know, whether you yeah you know, and so it's understanding and really placing a lot of importance and value on that early on is critical as a, as a person that's hiring consultants, right, or hiring independents or contractors to come in for your job, you know, working through that plan, working through projections. And then, you know, if you're on the other side as, as the consultant, it's, it's competent and confident management of expectation, right? You know, you, you may, you always start out, go you know, with instruction. We got to accomplish this big thing and we got to do it in this amount of time with this amount of money. Well, then it's, a, it falls upon you as a, as a contractor, a consultant say, okay, well, here's what's involved. You know, let's, this is what I think it's going to take and, and maybe we can't get, you know, your priority three and four done, but we're going to focus on getting, you know, one and two knocked out with with the resources we have now. And if you just saying that off the cuff, doesn't establish confidence. But if you can rely on your experience, rely on what you you're very knowledgeable about and what you've worked on and speak with confidence and show you work, but well, then you can manage those expectations and, and help inform your client. Um, and as a client, maybe then you can take that to your boss and say, Hey, look, you know, we thought it was gonna involve this, but we didn't, didn't consider that. Um. It's so that's a huge part of starting mm-hmm. any job. If, if you start off on the wrong foot, you know, um, yeah. boy, it's just hard to catch up, you know, from that. And it's really hard to make up for that. So, and, and that's kind of brings us to one of the next things we want to talk about. is like understanding your client, understanding where you fit in, um, you know, understanding that job, like who's your audience, you know, Berkeley, what if you're like, how do you handle that? You know, when, when you're going in, um. to to a consulting role at a, maybe a new client or a new office or something like that. What's, how can that affect maybe the way you approach what your given task is?
0: Sure. It's, you know, it it is, it's always about understanding the full project, understanding the scope, um, where sort of the end product is going to fall. And, and, you know, most of our end products fall with drilling a well or something like that, or the closing of an acquisition on the due diligence side, or securing some agreement of some sort. Um, there are other projects that are, like you mentioned, cleanup projects, or, you know, you're trying to clean up files or clean up things either on police records side, on, on certain elements of of agreements or division order side, even even to that extent. But understanding the full scope of what those projects and what the end goal is. You always want to know the end goal. You always want to know, is it the person you're talking to sort of the final reporting person that's going to see this and is going to either benefit from it or is it going further up the ladder? And so understanding those, then you can better assess um, how to develop and, and outline the project. And one of the things I always try to do. Um, you know, as I mentioned on uh, your client hiring you for the things and the skills, you know, and and so they're either doing that because they don't have the time to do it. As you mentioned, they don't, uh, they don't have the staff to do it, uh, or they just don't want to do it. And so they're hiring you for your expertise and things that if, you know, they may not know the things that are in the, that are entailed in the project. They know the outline or they know the high level, of what done, but they don't have the details. And so. I use that as an effort to what I call managing up and sort of managing into my client, the things that they may not know how to ask. And so looking at those things and looking, if you know, the end product, and and I have this, I have the ability to do this because I've worked in various, through, with various disciplines and inside code. So I know how they work. I know where the information goes, uh, either from the engineering team or, you know, from the accounting team, finance team. I usually know where the elements of the the land information goes. And, um, so by knowing that and knowing those projects and how they affect those various other disciplines, I can kind of manage up to things where, where they may not know, land may not, may not know how this affects, um, a, uh, the, the marketing department. And so by knowing those things, I can then sort of help them and guide them along and give them information they may not be asking me about. Um and just pushing that along and say, hey, here's here's why you want to know that, or here's why this is Um pooling provisions may be one of those things that they're not thinking about in, in a certain project or even in your your world while you're leasing. Um it, it's not so much in your uh in like a Louisiana or Oklahoma, but in Texas, you know, pooling provisions can um can be a big deal. And so um you kind of want to understand and, and know those, and those are areas where you know, as a field landman or an in, or a project manager in the field, you can help them along. Where if you've got a young in-house landman or a landman that hadn't worked Texas, working a Texas project, you can guide them along and and push that information up and help them frame to where they're more successful and their developers or their their uh, development department on the drilling side or, or production side can, um, be more efficient in developing the field or a field. Yeah. I think that's a, a, great point to
2: make If if you're on the flip side, you're the in-house side and you're bringing in a group of people to help with whatever it might be, the more information you can share with them about what is this for, what's the end result, who's gonna use this information. Maybe allow you to tailor your product and your deliverable such that an engineer or such that the finance department, whatever it might be, marketing, whatever it might be, can can use that information. And you're not gonna have to go back and circle back. That's the killer in all these jobs. It's like the don't have that planning and you're not informed as a consultant about what's the end use here. You can't be proactive with your decision-making. You can't capture that little bit of extra when you're looking at something or you're working through a task or working through a thousand will
0: package. Um, that, that would be beneficial in hindsight. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I got, I got, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give this little antidote from, you know, probably 20 years ago, um, you know, was asked to put together a, a forecast and a budget for, uh, buying some leases on a prospect and go drill a well, and I put it together. And, um, you know, I was a staff landman at the time and I put it up the ladder and all the different components of it. We were having to do a farm out. We were having to buy some leasehold. We have to buy some ground floor leasehold. We have to buy some HVP leasehold. Put it all together. Put it put a budget together. Passed it up, and you know it sort of fell on flat ears. And I had to present to our our president at the time saying, "Hey, here's a project we want to do. um This is what I think it's going to cost." And man, I got like just deaf ears. Like, there's no way that's going to cost that much. And, and, you know, this is part of the confidence that helped me was, yeah, it was a crush. They were like, we can't do that project. It's going to cost too much. We're not going to do it. Or you're going to find a cheaper way to do it. Little by little, we we started doing it and we put it together. And man, I think I was like $50,000 off my budget. And so, you know, which was very small. It was call it 5% of my budget that I was on. And um, that's what it ended up costing us to do it. And so they piecemealed it together and we did little bits and pieces of it here and there. But at the end of the day that, you know, said, Hey, wait a minute. Okay. I, I got chastised for that. Yeah. And, but at the end of the day, I'm vindicated. That's kind of where, where it landed. And, um, and so I, you know, those are, those are things that over just out of experience you get that you determine and, and find out that, Hey, I can do this. I am doing it. You know, it's all a guesstimation to some extent. But the better you can guesstimate, the the better that is. And remember, we're doing the same thing that an engineering team is doing on forecasting the, the total production of a well. You know, when you look at ultimate recovery of a, of an oil and gas well, they're forecasting a line and they're saying, Hey, this well's going to do, it's producing 2000 barrels a day now, and it's going to do, um, you know, half a million barrels and. 10 BC up a gas at the end of its life. And and they're they're just forecasting it based on the the things that they know and the experience that they have in their industry. And we're doing the same thing just on a a, a different commodity. Yeah. We're uh, doing it on land and on time and on those sort of things. Yeah. So um it's it's the same work and uh, you just you're just applying it to to a different element. Yeah. Well, if you're talking about like a project,
2: right, and, and landmen in general hate to forecast, you know, how long is this going to take?
1: Well, I don't know
2: how long is the ball of string, I you don't know until I line it out, but as it, difficult as it is, it's, you have to do it I and mean, it's a necessary people. Uh, everything is dependent upon, you know, a turnaround and the clock's always ticking, but one of the things that kind of go into that is, is understanding, okay, what systems, what, what tech, what, what's the deliverable, what access to information might you have access to, you know, what, what are some of the considerations when you're going into one of these projects, whatever it might be, um, what are the things you need to be asking, looking for, maybe understand and factor into, all right, this is what's available to me to accomplish this task and then therefore establish a timeline.
0: Sure. Um, You know, some of that is, yeah, if you're doing a leasing project, do you have access to online courthouses? Do you have access to some of that public information? Um, if you're dealing with a due diligence project, do you have access to, well, everybody has access to public production data. But, you know, how, what do you need to do to evaluate and look at that production? Data? Is that part of the criteria? General, generally, it is. You're looking to make sure things are maintained, production's been maintained. so. Those data sources, be it the Railroad Commission, um, be it some of the third party, uh, products that are out there, um, that you can use that are subscription base, um, do you have access to those? If you can, can do your client provide them or do you have a personal membership of those things? And so, you know, those are the things you want to be familiar with and, you know, for Texas, you want to be familiar with the Railroad Commission, how to look up data, how to, how to use that sort of thing. Um. So but, you know, those things are very important to the skills. And again, that's part of the skill set of of second nature to a landman. You need to know those things. And yeah, not everybody understands production data, uh, comes out of a well and, and those sort of things, but you know, dates and and those are things you should be skilled at uh as a landman. Um you know, you want to be familiar with, if you're going in-house and working for a client, you want to be familiar, understand what systems they're using. Um, are that what, you know, are they using some of the, what third-party land system are they using? Or are there other uh, other things that you need to know that you're not aware of they have in-house? Um, you know, there's lots of products out there. Uh, one of, we talked about Excel briefly, but you need to be really skilled in Excel for data management and and data organization. Like I said, I use it just for planning, but at the same time, all of your data and all your systems uh, have mechanisms to dump into Excel or to access. And so having access, having the skill sets to know how to manage those and use those and manipulate data in those and build your own reporting out of those is very important. And then understanding what your client wants to see. And, and, you know, I've had clients that I've built reporting for that I still use to this day, um, some element of it, we may have little tweaks or changes, but it's stuff I've used just in the past. Um, and then I have, you know, I've had clients come back to me and say, man, I really don't understand that. Let's make this a little more simple. And so, you know, I've had, at times I've had to pawn it off and say, give it hand to somebody else, Hey, here's what we want. Here's what we have. I'm sort of stuck in this mode you put another spin on it let's put another set of eyes on it to make it a little more sense. well that's like knowing
2: your team yeah it goes right back to what we said it's like understanding the strengths of people on your team i, I would encourage every landman that's that's working in-house on a, a job anybody who's getting the opportunity to work on due diligence you need to be an expert in excel or strive to be you know we i, I work in it every day i'm still like light years behind some of the people within our organization and even some of the clients that we work with their use of Excel, especially on these kind of in-house contracted consulting type jobs is tremendous because you're you're either consolidating information from three different sources, you know, from an Excel output or or you're taking an an Excel, you know, data dump from an acquisition that your client just made and trying to make sense of it, trying to pull information from client A that, you know, from a buyer and match it with a seller, whether you're doing a data management or an integration type project, whatever, just it, it doesn't go away you can't avoid it. And the stronger you are in that, the more efficient you're gonna be and, and the better product you're gonna deliver, the more flexible you are, you know, to be able to give your client, or you know, meet the needs of the specific job at that specific time for your client. Um, and, and if you can do that, you're gonna continue to repeat opportunities. Uh, that's again, it's gonna keep you, if you're an independent or you're, you're in one of these downtimes in the industry or, or you're in between permanent, you know, full-time
0: roles, man, those things are, are just, they'll keep you going. And, and the faster you can do that, the faster you can learn to manipulate data or organize data. Cause there, there's lots of, you're, you're dealing with, with thousands of lines of data at times. And you've got to find ways to organize it, track it. One of the things I've learned just in the last few years that I never did was, you know, you get a batch of data and, and, you know, create your own unique identifier per line item. And so that, so that, you know, Hey, I'm starting here's, here's 10,000 lines of item and and I'm starting with number one and I'm putting my own codes in there to number 10,000. And so that way, as, as you, as long as you keep all your lines consistent, you know, Hey, here's my unique identifier of the data I got. And if you ever drop anything new in there, then you're going to be missing that code. And so as you start looking up things and you start comparing notes, you know, doing either through B lookup or from what other avenue of, of you do to compare various spreadsheets and stuff. Um, you're, you always know if you have something new pop up by that by that number. And that's something I, I never really thought of doing until probably just recently on projects over the last few years. And so something i learned from, you know, a colleague, like I said, I'm like you, I'm, I'm a, I'm somewhat proficient in Excel, but I've got colleagues that are, you know, just leaps and bounds ahead of me that they're programming. They're, you know, they're, they're doing macros, you know, task macros in Excel. and um, that are, are beneficial. And, you know, again, you know, as Landman and you mentioned this earlier, we're always working for, um, the job and looking for the next job, but just because you get fast at something and you can accomplish something faster, all that does is give you credibility to do the next thing. And it, it pushes you along and it gives you the credibility with clients to say, Hey, I can give this to him. He and a team, if it's not just just me, they can knock this out pretty quick. Or I know he will lead the team to knock this out in a time efficient. And so, you know, you don't always want to worry about the length of time of the project. You want to make sure the project is quality. You're delivering a quality project, a quality product, and that your client gets what they're looking for. And like you said, if you earlier, if you can't accomplish all of the tasks in the given time or budget, which is very important figure out the things you can do well and focus on getting those things, communicate that to the client and, and get that in. And, you know, that brings up all different avenues of communication. Communication is vital across the spectrum. And we could probably have a whole nother podcast. We can touch on it here on communication, but, um, those are things that, that you, we really, you know, you need to be good at and communicating and understanding, You know, communicating. The data, communicating what your team is doing, communicating how far along you are in a project, um, communicating pitfalls or hurdles that you run into, um, always keeping that open line of communication. That with you know both downstream and upstream, and the upstream part again, I'll go back to is managing up, is keeping them people aware when when needed. There there are times when they don't need to be aware, but um, But if it's vital, you know, then and it's causing a delay in in the project or it's causing a concern in the project, then yeah, absolutely. You need to, you need to keep those channels of communication and information flowing, uh, between folks. Yeah.
2: And (laughs) which, which you tend to see, you know, sometimes when we are doing these bigger in-house type projects, you know, you, you get in, you, you establish what you think is your timeline. Uh, you you start, right. And, and metrics on progress are huge. You might not always have an audience with your client every day. You know, they may, they were, again, they brought you in because they're short staffed or, or, you know, they've got, they don't have time to do what they brought you in to do. So establishing good tables, good metrics, you know, good projections, you know, you may have a projection, have an idea of what you may be facing when you start the job that changes two weeks later, once you get into the reality of what I'm facing, you know, two or three or four it, weeks later. So if you're. You hope not, but it, but it can't, well, you know, you, you, absolutely. you, you anticipate you're going to have all the greatest information. The reality is sometimes you don't, you know, and, and, and you have to show you work for lack of a better term, like, Hey, this is what we expected. This is what we saw, you know, now we're, we're beyond the, the, you know, full first four or five or six or eight days of startup. Now we're at what we feel like is in a rhythm. Uh, this is our process, you know, we've documented our process and Hey, it's taken us, you know, two days longer per unit than we anticipated. And this is why, and you're not going to be able to maybe have access to your client every day to tell them that. But when you sit down for your weekly or your, you know, your client swoops back in and says, okay, where are we at? You know, are we ahead of time or ahead of schedule, behind schedule? You need to be able to say why and, and show that. And, and if you're doing all those things, it portrays confidence. You know, it shows that you're not blowing smoke or you're not just dragging your seat. It's, it, it, it gives them confidence that, okay, yes, people, I could take what they said and what they're telling me down the hall. you know, to, to, for managing, you know, I'm managing up again. It's a, a giving your client infor- the information they need to be able to, able to right. support what you're going through when they may not be, you know, working side to side with you. Uh, yeah. totally. Yeah, it's, a, it's a big deal. I, I really want to kind of talk about, you know, what is all this about as an independent, right? As someone that's, that's coming from the outside looking in and it's, it's really you're interviewing for your next job, right? It's, it's, you, Always. S- you start a project and you, you know, you're, if you can accept the fact that you work working yourself out of that job, you know, and, and treat it as an interview, I mean, what, what can you, what do you, what can you say about just the general attitude is that, you know, some people get down on, oh, I'm doing contract work or whatever. What, what advice can you give for
0: just the right attitude to have when you work on a project? You know, just just stay positive and and be appreciative of of the opportunity. Um, you know, as you as you indicated, the the last sort of your last report or your last thing you you turned in is your final product, and it's what you're last remembered by. So you you always want to work to the very end. Um, to turn in, you know, the best you can, even though you may know that you're, you know, you're on the way out or might be on the way out. And so I've had many projects, um, get extended or over time just because, you know, I brought up something they weren't thinking about, or, you know, they, um, it, it morphed into something larger over time, and and I've also had projects that, that flat out ended when they said they were going to end. So, it, you know, it happens. So you just you be happy, and and most of the time you'll get called back, or they'll say, hey, we need we've got something else, and and if you're available, um, great, and if not, you've probably moved on and found your next best thing because you're in demand. And so, um, you've got other people out there that know your skill sets and know they want you and, you know, you're in the free agent market, you know, you're going to go to the, 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 next opportunity. It's all about, I guess,
2: really boils down to just generating value, you know, whether it be, you know, in the bigger picture for the job or just as a participating member of a team, you know, um. You don't want to float through because the job's going to end either with you or without you.
0: you know? Yeah, you, no, you're, you you want to be, you want to be the most efficient in, in adding value person on the team. And you don't have to be the team lead to be doing that in a project or you don't have to be, um, you know, the best of everything, um, there, but you, you do want to be remembered as somebody that is, you know, heads down moving the ball forward, solving problems, um, and making the hurdles where, where there need to be made in, in the time. And so, um, those are the things that people look back for and look back and say, Hey, yeah, we, he's a great person to do. And you want to be reliable, you know, reliability and consistency. You may not always give the answer that a client wants in something and, and they may not like it. But at least one thing I've, I have learned is they know your objective, you're fair and you, you know, you're, you're, you're looking out for them on both sides, whether it's positive or negative, Hey, here's something that's going to help you, or here's something you need to watch out for as you're doing this. And so those are the things, you know, we did, I did a project some years back and, um, we had identified a bunch of uh, drilling obligations that were happening and they, you know, client kind of knew it. Um, but they didn't know the extent of it and, you know, that whole idea of just bringing that up morphed into us looking, having you look at, uh, all the drilling obligations, which was sort of a side project. And then it morphed into things I did in my past career where I took a, um, a checklist for a drilling schedule. I took a drilling schedule and I took a checklist of all the things that need to happen before you spud that rig from a landman's perspective, from the land department's perspective. So I have a list of 25, some odd things that have to happen before my driller can say, are you ready to spud? And I turned that into a drilling schedule. And so I said, Hey, you're telling me you're going to drill the Broussard number one on this date. That's when I'm targeting to have my checklist of things done. And so I'm not working on anything else, but the Bruce Dark number one. And after that, I'll work on the next well. And so I would give them my schedule of things I was doing and they could see what I'm working on. Operation can see what I'm working on and what my team's working on. That was my order. And if something changed from their perspective, then they needed to come let me know. And so we turned that project into, we created that list for a client and gave them two years of drilling obligations. And then what we knew was done in that checklist. And so we gave them for every well, and it was for every unit, a well that needed to be drilled in a unit. We gave them the items that we thought were done in that checklist and then gave them a two year drilling obligation list. So one of the things that evolved out of again managing not, hey you don't know you need this but you're telling me you're concerned about drilling obligations we're going to help you out a little further and we're going to give you the things that your team's going to need to get ready to drill these wells over the next two years
2: yeah well you establish trust you establish trust that you know created value and oftentimes you're you're exactly right it happens so often you know you get into something you're working through it and maybe you had an initial objective but as you work through that you start identifying what about this? What about that? And that asking those questions sometimes requires you to get outside of your comfort zone a little bit. It's like, you know, I am totally here for a task. But speak up. Create value. You know, understand, get outside of the comfort zone of your project. You know, understand where you're what your skill set is and, and what you're confident about and you know, just ask the questions. Hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? If you do that the most often and
0: that, that whole project transcended into you know next thing i know i've got i got project engineers calling me looking through my list and i'm now outside of my landman comfort zone and and not so much mine because i'm working in-house you're dealing with all disciplines but it's part of that aspect that you're not just always dealing with landman, so you've got to understand that lingo a little bit it's a little harder as a true consultant but you do want to familiarize yourself with those sort of things and so then, you know, when you got engineers calling you now and you're having to talk their lingo and and tell them, hey, here's what I here's what I I no, here's what I know, here's the number, here's the count, because they're then converting all that data you're giving them into their reports into into their forecasting and their budgeting. And they're doing the same thing you did on the front end of the project. They're now doing on the development of the project and they're using your information. So it it goes to show the 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 vitalness and the importance of what the land department and the land guys are doing on the front end to where that transcends through the whole department and all the different disciplines. And so you want to get out, you want back to kind of some of the first points we made, you want land to be your second nature, you're doing that with your eyes closed, you can direct that with your eyes closed, and then you want to be able to learn new things, get out of your comfort zone to do more things so that As you're doing those, you become more valuable to an organization and they know that, Hey, yeah, he's a landman, but he does know what we, what the rest of the group and the rest of the company and the rest of the departments do. And so by, by having the ability to build your reporting around that mindset, that it's not just being looked at by landman, it's being looked at by other disciplines throughout organization. You want to be able to do that and build your reporting to where if you're giving it to a land person, it's going up the ladder and an engineer can understand and an accountant can understand it. Uh, you know, you don't have, they don't like to see a lot of fluff. They don't want to see all the land flow. They like charts and graphs and, and bar charts and, you know, things that move. And so, um, you know, that's gets back to your technical skills that you know, your, your reporting should be dynamic. It should be. It should be evolving as you progress. And so as, as new data comes in, in a spreadsheet, um, and, and you have that tracking mechanism, you want your charts to move as your update. And so that when you're going in and meeting and your person's dropping in at the last minute saying, Hey, yeah, I got 10 minutes, give me an update. Um, that you can, you can go flash that update up there and say, Hey, here's where we were yesterday. Here's where you are today. Um, we. We made great progress. We're on par. we're a little bit behind or whatever the story is, but then they can take that sheet and if you want them to, and you do it white, build it where they can extract it, pop it into a PowerPoint and bam, they're off and running. And again, you've done the work that your clients that needed needs, and they don't have to re-massage the data. It's, you know, you can, and that's part of working together with a client too, is Hey, how do you want to see this? How do you, how does everybody up the ladder want to see it? What makes it clear to not just you, but to everybody in the organization so that everybody understands the same thing and your client's not having to create, recreate the wheel of the work that you did. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's,
2: hey, if you can put it in a beautiful PowerPoint, boy, they just love it. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. really, I mean, ultimately it's all the, it's all the, the ground and that happens you know, at project level, it has to, it has to turn into a deliverable and it's gotta be memorable and it's gotta be easy to use and easy to, 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 interpret. And, and if you're thinking of what you're doing in that way, you know, it, it, it puts that at the forefront. Yep. It's gotta be right. We got focus on everything getting done and we gotta deliver, but it doesn't end there, getting it done isn't enough. It's presenting and telling a story in a way that makes sense and, and you know, keep going back to it, but it just creates value. You're creating value for yourself, you know, for your company that you're representing, if you're going through a, a brokerage shop or, or for yourself individually, maybe it's whatever your opportunity to, to get the next job, or maybe even be considered, you know, for an employee role at some point that, that you have to, if you have that mentality, it just, it's a better way to live. It's a better way to go. And, uh, it does get recognized. I mean, I, I've had. We've had people, you know, groups of people working in-house on projects and a client will call, you know, after it's all said and done six months later and say, hey, we've got another deal similar, but a little different. What about this person? Is this person available or are those three or
1: four people from your crew available?
2: And, um, and that gives me a great opportunity to say, yeah, but man, their day rates have gone up so much. (laughs) No, but. It, it gives you an opportunity to give them an ad boy, you know, call yeah. them up and say, Hey, listen, you did everything right. You represented yourself, right? Product was represented, uh, properly and it was recognized, you know, because they're asking about you and, you know, and then they're, they're right on to the next job they're able to be able to get them in there and they can work. And it all goes to the trust and them expressing their value and the product and the deliverable being, being on point. Um, so, and, and that's, that's, that's really. Everything. It's just pride in what you're doing, understanding your skill set, understanding where you fit in, understanding the needs, you know, the circumstances of your project, understanding the perspective of your client, you know, am I, am I working for a major? Am I working for a small independent? You know, maybe a small independent's gonna need more out of you and it's gonna be more receptive to that advice and those recommendations that that audience, you know, that you have with, with that individual client may go directly to the leadership. Whereas if you're working in-house through a department on with a big major corporation, it's it's got to go through four or five people, um, and maybe you're there just to do the job, you know, that you hired to do at that point. But, um, Barkley, I mean, your 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 experience is is tremendous, and and I think all your advice and everything you touched on here has been been spot on, and um, yeah, I think there's a lot of value in that, and, and really appreciate you taking the time to visit with us today.
0: No, absolutely. And, and there's, there's lots of opportunities, you know, the, the industry's shrinking, it's getting a little harder. Um, we, you know, but it's busy and there's, there's plenty of things to do, but at this point, talent is going to outweigh everything and, um, efficiency always outweighs. And so, you know, we went from, you know, 30 days of, you know, when you talk about the operational side and you, you transcend the operational side to sort of what we do, we went from 30, 45 days of drilling a 5,000 foot well lateral to we're doing it in 10, 12 days now um, for even longer laterals. I don't even know what the metrics are totally. Cause I've been out of, out of that operational loop for a few years, but it's much faster. You're using a lot less rigs. And from our perspective, we're having to keep up and do the work just as fast to keep up with those rigs moving, um, you know, every 15 days possible. You know, granted, we're pad drilling and doing some other things, but the, the pace of, of what the field landman from, uh, from a title perspective and a you know, run sheet perspective and all those things, same with the title attorneys, that pace is picked up. And the faster you can do that work, um, the the more efficient, uh, and the better commodity you'll be as a consultant or, uh, independent landman to, for your client.
2: Yeah, for sure. Well, Khalil really appreciate our, man, you've been like, you've carried this
1: thing. (laughs) I, I I can, I couldn't jump in. It was just too much, too much gold coming in from, uh, from Barkley. No, it's great. I think, you know, summarizing kind of the, the message and, and all of the wisdom that you shared, Barclay, it's, it's obvious that you have a lot of empathy and that that's such an important skill to have as a landman, to understand what's happening on the other side of you uh, and what needs to be done for them to be successful as clients, as a company, as a project as a whole. What does it take? And if you have that empathy and you really can, you know, even foresee what's going to be needed by your client, It'll take you a long way. Uh, loved what you shared about reputation, how you're always you know, looking to earn trust and continue to grow your credibility because you're looking for your next job after this and even working yourself out of a job. I, I think it's such a good perspective to have and obvious that the long term is what you should be focused on, not just the short term. Um, so all, all good things, man. Um, how can people connect with you? Sure. Um- they can, my email address
0: is ridgeresources at net. Um, they can contact me through LinkedIn. I have a LinkedIn page, uh, that's just Barclay M. Ridge, uh, myself. And so you can connect, reach out to me there. Um, and we can connect either one of those two ways and next phone call, I'll have a chat, whatever the case may be. And, um, if you need help with something or, uh, looking for just advice on things, um, it's, uh, I'm happy, always happy to help and share because uh, that's an important part of our industry is sharing experience yeah. and
1: uh, doing that. Excellent. We'll put all those in that, all that stuff in the show notes. Uh, appreciate it, man. It's been fun. It's been great. Leo, Grant, thanks a lot. Yeah. Thank you, Parker. I enjoyed it. All right. It does, absolutely. Man. Thanks, man. Take care. We'll see you soon. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Land Department. Check out our website in the show notes or visit dudley-land.com to learn more about us.